Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. Challenge you to look up BaptistPulpit.com. Look up some of the podcasts and subscribe to them. I have three, Baptist Pulpit, Baptist Vices, Moment in Ministry. There's other Baptist men that have put podcasts together. We try to let you know about them, subscribe to them, look at the authors also. Our featured speaker for today is a classic preacher of the past, Lester Roloff. He was born in 1914, passed away in a airplane crash in 1982. He was born June 28, 1914, on his family farm, Navarro County, there in Texas. He was the youngest of three sons. He received his early education at a one-room country schoolhouse. He was raised in a strict Baptist atmosphere and at the age of 18 was called to preach. And so he went off to school. He went to Baylor University. And to pay for his room and board, you'll like this, Lester Roloff took his Jersey cow, Mary, with him and sold milk during his first three years of college. After graduating from Baylor in 1936, he had attended Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth for three years. And then after that, he was married. He started preaching during his senior year at Baylor, pastoring country churches uh, in the Texas area. After moving to Fort Worth, he pastored a uh, Baptist congregation in Trinidad and Henderson County. Then following graduation from the seminary, he moved to Houston, where he pastored Magnolia Park Baptist Church in the mid-1940s. He accepted the pastorate at Park Avenue Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, which was his home base from there on. He organized the Baptist Ministerial Alliance Uh, In 1944, launched his family altar radio program uh, during that time. And in 1946, he opened Park Avenue Christian Day School. During the time there in Corpus Christi, he was in demand as a revival speaker. In the fall of 1950, he completed revival meetings. And uh, through a course of events, he felt... Uh, led to go full-time in evangelism. And so on June 8, 1951, his ministry was incorporated as the Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises. And he preached uh, in revival meetings. He did his ministry on the airwaves, and that is still going uh, across uh, America and across the world. He also started a monthly newsletter. And then in 1967, when he was in evangelism, Roloff was approached by some friends uh, with a young girl who had nowhere to go for help. And he made a public plea on the girl's behalf from the pulpit, and she was taken in. And that prompted him starting the Roloff Homes, uh, the Rebecca Homes and other homes. 
And so that's one of the things he was known for is the homes, and he would travel with them. He raised uh, thousands of dollars to help those homes. He was able to purchase some properties. And uh, it was in 1982, in February of 1982, I believe that he uh, passed, actually November uh, 2nd of 1982, Roloff and four young uh, staff workers were killed when their plane crashed in Leon County during a flight to a preaching and singing service that they were scheduled to conduct. Pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you listen today on the Baptist Pulpit. Well, last night we had uh, some fire kicking around, and uh, tonight uh, the prince of the power of the air may attend. But uh, let not God's people be disturbed here. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll, we have a good crowd tonight, and if it starts raining, I imagine maybe you better come under the tent. I wonder if we've got a seamstress could uh, sew that tent up tomorrow, just pull it together a little bit. I talked to Charlie a while ago. Does anybody plan to do that? Yeah, Fine, thank you. All right. And that'll keep it from ripping anymore. And uh, we'll just, we've had a wonderful day today. Uh, not late, I just... Uh, I had to go back home a minute after I got nearly here. And uh, so I, that's the reason I was a little bit late. That's time for the message, and I call your attention to some great passages. Now, I hope you'll not let the elements or the weather distract your attention from the message. I wish tonight that the whole world could hear what I'm fixing to say. I really do. And I realize, and I announce to you, and you'll not be, it'll not be necessary for you to tell me after the service that I have run the great risk of being called a nut and a crank and a fanatic and a fool and non-progressive and all the rest of it. Just help yourself. But I'll stand in the judgment morning to face this message I'm preaching tonight. And I have no fear on the inside, and I tremble not at your faces or your practices or your criticism, because to you I will not give an account for this message tonight. I'm not trying to be ugly, antagonistic, or hard to get along with, but I'm simply going to preach what all the old-fashioned preachers used to preach before they lost their conviction. I'm going to preach what I believe the Bible teaches. I'm going to share with you some of the great passages in the Word of God. There are some demands for discipleship. Say what you please. I do not believe in disciplinary regeneration, but I do believe in disciplinary salvation. I believe that to be a disciple, you're going to have to exercise some discipline. And brother, the Bible, especially the New Testament and the lives of God's children, have been plain and simple. And tonight, uh, don't be surprised if I tackle some of your pets that you've gotten used to and welcome into your living room and home and heart. And so uh, you just listen as carefully and pray as earnestly. Give me an open mind and a loving heart and hunger and thirst after righteousness. I call your attention, first of all, I believe, to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 14. Chapter 14. Verse 12, 
Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Skip a few verses, if you will, and it's verse 26 now. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, please. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now then, I'd like to give you from memory another verse when they came to Jesus and said, what would you suggest to me would be the first commandment? He said, to, to love the Lord thy God with all thy might and mind and soul and strength and all that's within you. Well, he said, that's all right. Uh, is there another commandment that would be next to that? I just want about two of them, number one and number two. He said, yes. He said, number two would be to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these hang all the law and the prophets. Now then, I promise you that I'll not go beyond, and with God's help I'll not come short of staying in between these great verses I've given you. If I expect more of you tonight than what God's Word has already said, then I might become unreasonable, but I do not believe I'll go beyond those wonderful verses. Now then, I'd like to call your attention to 2 Samuel chapter... 2 Samuel chapter 18. And we'll read verse 9. Now this is the text that the colored man gave me many years ago when he was going down to the jail to preach. And he said, uh, I'm going to preach on that text in 2 Samuel, XV 3, 9 verses from the beginning. He had an old Roman Bible, and of course that meant XV 3 was chapter 18. 2 Samuel, that meant 2 Samuel. Nine verses from the beginning meant verse 9. And uh, this is what he said. And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boles of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away, and the colored man said, my text is, and the mule walked on. He said that mule is the mule of sin. And he said, ain't nobody going to be able to tame that mule of sin. 
and said, if you ride him far enough, you're going to get hung. He said the only way to keep from getting killed by the mule of sin is to dismount. Amen. 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 Get off of him. Now, the question tonight is, have you got spiritual life enough and vision enough to get off of the mule of sin? I'm going to tell you some about the mule of sin. And uh, remember, this man Samuel became a hippie. Now, I'll give you, the, I'll give you his distinguishing characteristics. He had long hair. Uh, the Bible said it was very heavy. He was very proud of it. And uh, the Bible says that a man with long hair is a shameful man. And of course, the other part of that, the next verse says that women who have long hair, it, it's a part of their glory. And the women are running short on glory these days. I'll just say this is a sad day when women begin to bob their hair, paint their faces and look like a bunch of clowns. As far as I'm concerned, I'm complimenting the women. You're pretty enough just like you are. And you'll never put a bunch of paste on your face and paint on your lips and lipstick and rouge and all that blue junk over your eyelids and all the pruning and plucking and all the bunch of beautifying you do will never exceed what God made in you when he made you. Now, if you women want to know what other people think about it, you heard them, didn't you? But I'm not preaching to the women primarily. I'm just simply saying women have been going downhill ever since. They've made themselves cheap and common and fleshly and sick and nervous and unhealthy and they don't live like they used to live and it's because they got out of Bible order. Amen. And there's no need asking God to bless us when we're not on blessing ground. Amen. Bible said women are not to decorate on the outside, but it's that inward man and so that goes for the men folks too. But I'm saying Absalom became a hippie. He had long hair, he was proud of it, and that was what killed him right there. That's what hung him in the bows of the tree right there. He hung by the very thing that he was proudest of. You'd say, what about a hippie? A hippie's a rebel. You couldn't make a rebel. Listen, those rebels, they've rebelled on our college campuses. They've rebelled at mother and daddy. They've rebelled at the preachers. They've rebelled at the churches. They've rebelled at revival. They've rebelled at the Bible. They're a bunch of rebels. Amen. And they're in for judgment. Amen. Absalom rebelled at the king. And he was willing to put his hand on the king and the man after God's own heart. Amen. And he was going to kill him. And he was willing to find him weak and old and sick and kill his old daddy. And I'll tell you something else. Absalom had already killed his brother. He was a murderer. The average hippie's a murderer. He's murdering his own life in the first place. He'll murder anybody else if they get in his way. I'm just simply saying to you, we got a generation of rebels. They call them hippies. But brother, there's nothing new about a hippie. Absalom was a hippie. 
Now, I know I, I'm going to also run the risk of some of you educated folks saying, well, I consider that rather cheap preaching. I think that's because of his ignorance, and he's rather illiterate to preach and call things by name. Honey, if you was real smart in the Lord, I wouldn't have to do it. But since some of you got so dumb spiritual, I have to tell you what's wrong with you. Amen. And I don't say that in an ugly way. I love every one of you and you know it. Pray for you every day of my life. Pray for the radio friends and for every preacher every day of my life. Live alone and walk alone and pray alone and uh, to try to get the job done for God. And I need your prayers, but tonight, dear friends, if you'll just try what I'm going to preach tonight for the next 30 days, you'll never go back to Egypt's land. I promise you this, you'll find such a sweet relationship. And dear friends, the whole message tonight is built on one thing. If you love me, you will. All I want to know tonight is how much do you love Jesus? I know what the Bible says. I read it again today. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All I'm going to ask you tonight is which one do you love the most, the world or do you love Jesus in heaven most? Now, I'll guarantee your answer is I love Jesus more than nothing I'm going to preach will ever faze you except you'll say praise God for it. And I want to get a little closer and walk a little closer and climb a little higher, dig a little deeper, and be better for Jesus' sake. That's what you're going to say. And the mule walked on. Now then, we're living in a mechanical, superficial, synthetic, and natural age. We have let the superficial take the place of the supernatural. Therefore, our wings have been clipped, and we're earthbound creatures tonight. Nobody flies in the realm in the heavenlies like we ought to. He said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God's people are not to be a fainting people. We're not to be a failing people. We're not to be a falling people. God's people are to be a victorious people. Listen, Jesus never did put up with defeat down here when he was here in the life, in his own life, or in the life of those that followed him closely. Neither has he made any provisions for our defeat after he left here. He said, he that's in you is greater than he that is in the world. And may I say this, I'm coming to another great subject on... Uh, Thursday night, and that is, what does the Bible teach about divine healing? I don't know why people get scared of that subject. Everybody needs it. I need divine healing all the time. I mean, of my soul, my mind, and my body. And I tell you, I'm going into it. It could be a tremendous blessing to God's people. You'd say, what means does he use? Do you believe God uses means to get people healed? What kind of means? Uh, does he use? Well, let's stay with the message now. I noticed uh, as I was driving across town a couple of times today and in conferences over at the juvenile shelter and other places, I noticed that uh, the radio said six, uh, 30 people were killed over the weekend. 16 of them drowned right around here. Right around here. 16 of them. You know when they did that? That's on the Lord's Day. I wonder if God's not trying to warn this bunch of heathens around this part of the country that we're not to go to the lake but to the Lord on Sunday. I'm talking about something that's literally eaten up the spiritual life of the people. We, we don't have any Lord's Day observance anymore. 
People work, mow lawns, I mean, uh, run out, fish, go swimming, play ball, listen to television, uh, watch uh, all sorts of ball games and go to ball games. That's to me a desecration of the Lord's Day. Everything in town wants to open up its places of business now. You see places open on Sunday. I believe the Bible says six days shalt thou work and do all thy work. We've gotten away from the observance of the Lord's Day. Listen, when Bob Ingersoll and that bunch of, of, of infidels decided to destroy Christianity in France, you know the first thing they said? Around their big conference table, he said and other infidels said, listen, if we intend to destroy Christianity, we've got to first destroy what the Christians call the Lord's Day. They said about it and they destroyed it. Now America's coming right down the same dirty stinking road and our church members are by the thousands out somewhere else except worshiping God on Sunday. And look at the people that have been killed over the weekend. It's not the weekend, it's the wicked end. And so I believe, I don't think a Christian has any right to buy and sell on the Lord's Day. You'd say, legality, call it what you will, child. Just call it what you will, you runt. I tell you, we were a lot better off, I'll guarantee you, when we took a day off. We didn't have heart attacks then, we didn't have cancer then, didn't have ulcers then, and we didn't have hepatitis of the liver then, we didn't have juvenile delinquency then, so what you, we didn't have broken homes then, what are you talking about? If that's legality, give me some more legality then. I'm not talking about keeping the Lord's day uh, in order to be saved. I'm talking about keeping it because I am saved. And practically everything we've got, uh, Brother Leonard goes out to these lakes, they claim to be Christian. Well, I'm a Christian, but I just need a day off. Yeah, you way off too, buddy, when you get out there. I'm talking about something we've forgotten all about. I remember the time when nobody, nobody did any work on the Lord's Day. Listen, if a man hooked up to a cultivator back down there 40 years ago, 50 years ago, he was classified as nothing but a low-down trifling heathen. And there wasn't many heathen that even tried to do it. Now then, look at it. Every lawnmower in town's gone. Uh, going on Sunday, I mean, just everybody's working in the backyard, the front yard, and doing everything they want to do on the Lord's Day. The Bible says we need a Lord's Day. God didn't need it. We need it. God didn't get tired. He never has been tired. You're not the one to get tired. And we need spiritual refreshing. And say what you please. God put this on my heart. And you know where I got it? Some of you Southern Baptists, bless your sweetheart, I got it from Dr. B.O. Herring while I was in Baylor University. That's back there when he had some great conviction. As for the Baptists, all begin to backslide and run off into the world. Come on, you might as well listen to me. Dr. Herring, great, sweet Christian, why well, he said, listen, I've gone to bed at 11 o'clock. I've gone to bed at 11 o'clock on Saturday night. And he said, it just dawned on me before I went to sleep. I did not fill my gasoline tank with gas. And I had to go preach on Sunday out to those little places around Waco. And he said, I got up and put on my clothes at 11 o'clock. And he said, I got in that car. I know you think this is kind of funny, but I got it from Dr. Herring. I believe it's a good thing. I've been practicing ever since. He said, I filled that tank with gas so that I wouldn't have to keep some filling station open on Sunday. And I'll tell you what's happened since then. Not nearly every preacher, nearly every church member, he'll beat it down to cafeteria, restaurant, drive-in, everything else, and make everybody and his dog work for you while you sit in church on Sunday morning. I don't think it's right. I believe you're out of the will of God when you do it. Oh, but you'd say necessity. No, it's not a necessity. I've gone, and I'm not posing as an example, I've gone 36 years without going in a business place on Sunday. 
It's not all that hard. I travel all the time. You say, well, what do you eat? Eat out of my icebox. I drink juices, make salads, eat fruits, vegetables, anything alone. I got it all right there. It's not hard, brother. You just need to make up your mind to get you some conviction instead of a bunch of sorry opinions. And the mule walked on. God's people ought to be ashamed. Our old grandmothers without a deep freeze. Our old grandmothers without a refrigerator. And yet, they did their cooking on Saturday. You remember that? Old four-layer cakes. Remember those old four-layer cakes? My mom would make and put the icing all over the top of it. And my mother never did go to school too much, but I don't understand. She must have had a built-in computer. I know she had a lie detector test on the inside. <laughs> she had all that equipment. There's nothing new about that, I'll guarantee you. She had one built in. And she caught me a many a time. I could look just like an angel in the face and had the devil in my heart. She said, son, you, didn't, you went swimming, didn't you? I said, well, I, I went with him. And she said, you, you went in, didn't you? I said, yes, ma'am. All right. Well, listen, why she'd get up and she'd take and, and on Saturday morning and she'd get all, everything ready for Sunday noon. She'd say, you boys shine your shoes now. Get your shoes shined on Saturday, tomorrow, Sunday. Put up your BB gun, be no shooting on, uh-uh. Uh, there won't be any ball playing on Sunday. I mean, tomorrow's the Lord's day, boys, huh? That kind of ground in to me, and I believe it did me good. I still respect the Lord's Day. I mean, in the morning, you think I'd read a newspaper on Sunday? I wouldn't read it on Monday, let alone Sunday, because it's not holy. Come on. That's one of the first thing you do. A bunch of preachers get up and go get the newspaper and sit down and read the funnies and all the gossip and all the junk and the filth and all the murderers and everything else, and then wonder why you run out of fire on Sunday morning before you got through preaching. You can't read the paper like that and soak your soul in a bunch of garbage and then expect God to give you power and let the fire fall. Why don't you preachers quit doing it? Why don't you throw it away and get in the Bible? It'll soon be over now. Now I'm going to say something else. You've heard the success stories of a little boy that carries the paper. Oh, they said, you know, he was a paper boy. He threw the papers. He got up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He threw the papers, and he became a great businessman. Uh-huh. But you didn't think anything about all those boys that threw that bunch of garbage and got up early and missed Sunday school and church and backslid and went to the devil, did you? I tell you, it'll be, it'll be some... I mean, the, the snow will be falling in August in Dallas before I'd ever permit one of my boys to get up on Sunday morning and throw anything like the newspaper. Now, you can I told you what she was going to say about me, didn't I? So I got that over with now. You think I'd let my little boy come in where he couldn't even set up in Sunday school and church? And I wouldn't mind if he's throwing Bibles. Oh, my, I'd help him. I'd get up and, I mean, I'd pump him on the bicycle. Amen? Oh, I'd say, listen, honey boy, man alive, if you want to get the word out, that is going with you. We're going to put the Bible in every home. Uh, and it won't be good news for modern man either. <laughs> It'll be the King James Version for sinful man. Just say what you please, boys. We're not going to find any shortcuts. And if we're going to be a disciple of Christ, we're going to have to get out of the world and let Jesus sanctify us by the Word of God. And I'll tell you what, if you think I'm wrong about it, all I'm asking you to do is just put it to a 30-day test. If you'll throw your newspaper aside and spend that time reading the Bible, you've been reading the newspaper, I'll guarantee there'll be a fire burning in your soul you haven't had in the last 20 years. Amen. 
Anytime you start putting the Word of God right where you've been putting the newspaper, that's first, I'll guarantee you, and you'll fall on your knees in the morning, you and your little old sweet wife, instead of separating her face from yours with a newspaper between you, if you'll put the Word of God in there, I'll guarantee you both of you get something. Some of you browse through that thing every hour. You say, preacher, why don't you preach the gospel? I'm trying to get y'all where you can understand the gospel. After you get your heart filled with the word of God, you'll hunger and thirst after righteousness. You can't feed somebody that's not hungry when you get full of the junk. I used to go to town. I used to go to town at the Dawson, Texas. My daddy would give me 15 cents, and man, I'd go up there, and I'd get some Tom Toasted Peanuts, and I'd get me a, uh, one of these little ice cream cones, a triple dip, triple dip for a nickel. Man, I'm telling you, it'd stick up out high, nearly. And then I'd go there and get me a great big bottle. That's before I had good sense. A Circle A soda water, one of those great big bottles made down in Corsicana, you know. And I want you to know I'd fill my little old stomach so full of that stuff, and I'd come home, and uh, my mother, my mother would look at me and say, Supper time. I said, I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. I'm not hungry. And uh, about uh, 9 or 10 or 11 o'clock that night, she'd hear me a groaning. And she'd come in, she said, son, you're just too full of junk, aren't you? That's what's wrong with our church members right there. They're too full of junk to feed them. You can't feed somebody that's that full of junk. We've got to have a cleansing process, brother. We've got to have a cleansing out of our spiritual system before we'll ever get hungry uh, for the Word of God. The Lord's Day needs to be observed, dear friends. And our boys and girls need to be taught the Word of God in our home. Don't depend on the school teachers. They've quit. We've got a few Christian teachers left, not many. They're greatly outnumbered. A real Christian teacher is considered a sort of a, 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 a funny-looking fellow in the school today. I've been, down to the, I've been down to the juvenile department, the girls' home today, and uh, I, I went in and talked to a little lady, just to, and she had one of those little old silly miniskirts on. Now she's working with all those little old girls in there. Little old girl that's been expecting three or four months now ran to me and put her arms around me and said, Brother Olaf, let me go to your home. Let me go to your home. She called up and said, I want to go back to the home. She'd been with us about a week, gave her heart to Christ, got tangled up, captured, actually captured. I've seen two little girls literally captured in the last two weeks. I mean, kidnapped. I mean, by sin and sinners. You've been listening to the first part of the storm message that we preached in Dallas under the gospel tent. Some 1,800 people were under the tent. And in the next message, which will come tomorrow, we are going to have the actual recording of the falling of the tent, the screaming of the people, and then we'll give you at the close of the message some observations that the Lord has given me after the storm was over. So be sure and be tuned in and have your neighbors and friends to be listening tomorrow to the Family Altar Program over this same station. Write us if you'd like to have these two messages recorded and sent to you. May the Lord bless you as you pray for us and share with us in the seemingly more impossible task of keeping the gates of mercy open in the five homes and staying on all the radio stations. What a thrill and a joy to live by faith. Thank you. Now we'd like to invite you today to listen to the second portion of the message and the mule walked on that was preached under the gospel tent in June of 1969 in Dallas, Texas. Today you'll hear the actual recording from a transistorized recorder after the power had gone off and we were in the dark and the thunder was rolling 
and the lightning flashing and the rain falling and the people screaming and somebody praying at the altar, we'll make the concluding remarks and some spiritual observations at the close of this message today. Now here's the message. Decorating a bunch of flesh will be as dead as a hammer and wouldn't be worth 10 cents one of these days pretty soon. Decorating a bunch of old dead stinking flesh and Paul said have no confidence in the flesh. I know that in me that is in my flesh that dwells no good thing. So let's watch the dress, the diet, the decoration, the education, and then homosexuality has looked like coming to its own. And it's of the devil, every bit of it. Don't you pay any attention to the modernists. We've got more juvenile delinquency than we ever had before. I want to tell you something. Anything that's not Christ-centered and that's not Bible-centered is never going to help our boys. Now, I have no time. I said I have no time at all uh, for these professional games. There's beer drinking, there's betting, and I believe God's people ought to get out of them. You have no right to spend God's money and your time. It'll take you from two to five hours to attend any of these ball games that you go to. And I'll tell you, with time running out, and the Bible said, seeing the days are evil, we ought to buy up the time, we ought to redeem the time. And God's people are wasting the time. And we're trying to pacify a bunch of a little old kids, you know, when we ought to be taking them to the revival meeting, see? Oh, you'd say, well, how are you going to develop your children? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I'm sure how inconsistent you are. You'd say, well, I want my little boy to play football. Well, I'll just remind you that the boys that I went to Baylor with, most of them are dead now. I can name most of them, I'm 55 years old. Most of the boys who played football, they're dead. Right? I could call name after name after name. I talked to a bunch of them before they died. They said, Brother Olaf, I'd never, Lester, they called me Lester because we'd known each other. Said, Lester, I'd never sacrifice my life again on a gridiron for the applause of the people for four years in college. They broke up my bones, my legs. I, I go to bed with leg ache every night. I've had all sorts of pains in my spine, and I've had so many jokes. And listen, as far as I'm concerned, I could come there endorsing bull fights than I could ever football games the way they're killing our people today. If you just go ahead now, just say what you want to say about it. I know I'm busting tradition right between the eyes tonight. You'll wind up when you get as old as I am. If you've got as much sense as God's given me, you'll agree with me. Our boys are getting their necks broken by the hundreds and hundreds every year that roll. I'm talking about high school football. Their whole life is wrapped up in it. I mean, they make better players than they do students in school. I know there are a few exceptions, but I'm saying to you this, dear friend. We've just gone too far in the brutality of sports, and God's people are not to fight. That's what they say, isn't it? They call them panthers, lions, bears, tigers. My brother, that's a bunch of animals. And they talk about kill him, catch him, uh, break his neck. I mean, fight him, fight, 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 fight. Have you ever heard that? That's what I thought you'd heard. I don't believe it's Christian. I really don't. Just go ahead and say what you want to say about it. And listen to me as I go on. I'm saying God's people are going to have to draw the line and get over on God's side or we'll never have revival. And the mule is still walking on. All right? The drink and the dope program in this country is absolutely appalling. Did you know that a great percentage of our church members are on dope today? 
Did you know that many preachers, evangelists, and their families and wives are on dope today? They're not depending on the Lord. They're not depending on the Lord. Do you realize tonight there are many people under this tent right now that have more confidence in the family doctor and in the dope they take and the pills they take than to do the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'll guarantee you, if, if they were to shut down all the cigarettes and all the pills and all the dope for the next 24 hours, now say what you will, I know I get letters and they say, Brother Wolf, you're so brutal and you're so cruel. Let me tell you something. Most of the people that are taking the junk they're taking, they don't need it and they'd be better off without it. And there's not any healing in it. Oh, listen. Oh, Dr. Bueller. A doctor that practiced medicine for 50 years, and, and he practiced medicine. And that's what the average doctor does, is practice medicine. He said, after many, after 10,000 operations, after prescribing many, many drugs, he said, you might as well try to put out a burning building by uh, putting uh, gasoline on it, as to heal, try to heal a body by shooting drugs into it. I didn't say that. That's what the old doctor said. That old doctor said 60 years ago you could go in any drugstore and find herbs and natural things that would heal and bless and cleanse, but not anymore. Not anymore. I'm saying God's people have gone blind to what the Bible teaches about simple Christian living and living by faith. The question tonight is this. Do you really want to live the overcoming life? Would you like to live by faith? What did the Bible say about living? He said, now the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk, Romans, Galatians, Hebrews 10, 38, four times. Now, how could you live by faith? That means you just live by the Lord and by the Word of God. That means you find what you need in the Word of God. I just read a while ago where God said, uh, when the man said, you just speak the Word, and it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Let's go a little further. We're living in a time of bad and education, sex education, is entering the school this coming fall. One of the saddest days America ever saw. It'll bring about the greatest scourge of immorality you've ever seen, and it's bad enough now. I'll guarantee you talk about a sex age. We're going into it now. When those little kids begin to be taught a bunch of junk, they have no right. Let me tell you something. God will teach all them, just like you teach, uh, you take out in the field, for instance. Uh, you take the animals. They grow up. Nobody has to teach the animals how to get together and reproduce. Now, why couldn't people have as much sense as animals to know how to fall in love and, and court each other and get married and stand to order and say, I do for life, and then know the wife and let a child be born? I mean, why couldn't God? God will teach us, brother, there's some things we better stay out of. And if you'll go to the countries where they've started that sex education, I'll show you the, most, uh, the, mo the biggest number of illegitimate children of any nation on the face of this earth. It's of the devil, and I tell you what, it looks to me like that our state is becoming so godless they're going to force the Christians to take their children out of school. You say, well, that's a drastic thing. I don't care what you think about it, brother. All I want my children and grandchildren to do is to meet me in glory. I want to live right. I want to be pure and clean and upright and live for God. And I tell you, when you expose them to a dance program, the television program, and the sex program, and the gambling program, and the dope program, I just came from Tampa, Florida. They just expelled 11, I mean, at the close of school, nearly at the close, they expelled 11 little junior high children for dope. 
Corpus Christi, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dope takers, and every school on the face of this earth, and there they are, acid, uh, and, and all the sorts of stuff that they're smoking and taking today, and most of it is centered in the school program. So I'm simply saying, God's people are going to have to watch out about that. Now then, I want to come to what I consider, and before I close the message, I want to come to what I consider the biggest stick in the devil's hand today. <clears throat> it's the thing that's destroyed the home, paralyzed the church, locked the jaws of the preacher, it's killed the bodies of the people, it's, uh, it's given the people a reprobate mind, and uh, it's uh, wrecked the physical health of the people. I mean, it's brought about uh, a scourge of immorality. Homosexuality is fixed to be portrayed on it. It couldn't be anything in the world except your TV, your television program. That's the one monster that's the most popular. It's the most worldly. It's a show program. It's for the eyes. It's for the lustful eyes. It comes from the dirtiest bunch on the face of this earth. That's Hollywood bunch. They have no respect for God in any preacher or any church member or any Christian that would endorse that kind of a program. You're pulling on the same rope with a bunch of harlots out of Hollywood. And so we might as well face it. We're not going to have revival. You'd say TV, yes. That's the tormenting vulture. That's it, TV. Tormenting vulture. That's the vulture that's gobbled up our little children. Every child I've got, every boy I've got, every girl I've got has been brought up on television. They're immoral. They're homosexuals. I mean, they're thieves. I mean, they're rapists. Everything you can think of. And that's exactly where they got it, right there. They told me that it's where they got it. But you mothers and daddies are not going to do anything about it unless God gives you some conviction about it. But you're going to give an account to God for ruining your children one of these days. You're going to corrupt their minds. You're going to wreck their bodies. You're going to make them make lower grades in school. And you're going to send them out as such perverse for it's over. You watch and see. Oh, I've got enough illustrations tonight. I could go all night long just telling you what I've learned and what people have told me. I mean, literally told me. Uh, let's not be disturbed about the rain. Isn't it nice we're getting the rain? Yeah, praise God for the rain. And it seems to be coming rather gentle-like. Just as long as you can hear. I mean, what I'm saying is more important than the falling of the raindrops. We need some raindrops from heaven tonight in your heart and my heart. And God gave me these convictions 36 years ago when God called me to preach. The first thing he did was to me, he said, son, do you want to preach? I said, yes, sir. You told me to preach. And I can't preach. No, nothing to preach. I'm ignorant. I'm sick. I'm unlearned. I've got a foul, a foul foundations of our education concerned. He said, all right, if you want me to help you, come out from the world. And the first thing he told me to leave was a picture show. That's the first thing. And brother, that's back there when the picture shows are sort of decent like. I mean, they're just sort of shooting low sheriffs. He's crawling. I mean, it is just a, one of these cowboy deals, you know, and that's about all I was interested in. And uh, I knew I was coming out every time, but I enjoyed watching it anyhow. I knew that the hero was going to knock the villain off of the cliff, and he's going to go down to his death. And I knew that they's going to get married and live happily ever afterwards, you see. And, but I still wanted to go see it, and I'd pay my 10 cents to see it every time. And I'd sit on the edge of the seat, you know, and I'd pull, and it looked like uh, he'd never, <laughs> I thought he was going to kill, but he never was. I never saw the hero kill one time. Old Tom Mixon, Art Mixon, uh, uh, Pete Morrison, and Fred Thompson, and, and his big white horse, and all that, you know. Boy, I tell you, I rode behind them every time they took off. I'd get behind them, ride with them, boy, just having a good time. <laughs> Wasn't no Lone Ranger then, I was with him. Yeah? 
And I mean, they were fairly clean and decent, did you know that? But now then, look at them. Look at them. Even Mr. Cecil B. DeMille, who corrupted the Bible stories, you remember that? He's dead now, and I'm sure he's sorry that he had to add so much sex, but he said, I had to put the sex to David and, uh, and Bathsheba and the Samson and Delilah because if I hadn't put the sex in it, nobody would have ever gone. I wouldn't have got any box receipts. Nobody wanted to go see some good, pure, sweet, spiritual story. I had to put the sin into it, he said, before I could get people to come. That's America for you. We're living in a time of adults only, please. And anything that's for a dust only is not fit for a dust. You put that down. And you brothers and daddies ought to be ashamed of yourself to go into the passion pits and let your children go and to bring home all of that smut and shut. Why, I've gone into little girls' dying rooms. I'm thinking of one now. She's 16. She's dying with a rare blood disease. The doctor said it's all over. Her little pale face. I guarantee you she's on her way out. And she went out too. And I preached her funeral. Every Everything on her wall was movie actors and actresses, everything. Had every ugly picture you can think about. That's all she had to look at when she died. Mothers and daddies, how long are you going to put up with it? You'd say, well, I don't know what I'd do with my children. Your children, you're not supposed to let your children run the home. Let me tell you something. If you daddies tonight would go home and lovingly and prayerfully and scripturally say to your wife, honey, let's have a house cleaning. And I'm not talking about running the vacuum sweeper. I'm not talking about just taking the broom and sweeping out a few crumbs. I'm saying, let's clean up our home. You'd have revival for breakfast. I'll guarantee you'd have the best night's rest you've had, and I don't know when. All I'm asking you to do is to go home tonight and turn off your rock and roll, burn up your rock and roll records, throw out your newspaper, kick out your dirty magazines that advertise liquor, cigarettes, and everything else. Are you for that kind of stuff? Then why do you pay for them to advertise in your home with it? Why don't God's people be consistent? Have the picture shows become great Christian things? Not at all. Worse, more wicked, more vile, more corrupt, more filled with sex and sin and Satan than ever before, and yet, look at all of God's people. That old stinging scorpion's on everybody's rooftop. There it is, announcing your worldliness because you know it's worldly. You know good and well it's not of the Lord, never has been. You'd say, Brother Roth, I think this is the last time I'll come to hear you. Well, dear friends, I'll meet you to judgment seat of Christ about it. I sure will. And I tell you what you do, all you want to do tonight is just go over and get in front of the old one I did yet and kneel down and put your arms around it and say, Lord, I want to thank you for this loving spiritual friend. Huh? Well, you haven't got the gall to do it. I mean, you haven't got enough brass in you. You couldn't get mad at me enough to have that much audacity to put your arm around the devil's play pretty and say, I just love this thing, and it's so good. Oh, it's helped me win my children to Christ. It inspired my family altar. It caused my wife to be sweet and pure and a better housekeeper and a better cook, and she prepares better meals and she irons her clothes better, and she's the hardest working thing. No, it didn't. It ruined your wife. That's reading a bunch of you and cash for milk toast can't get rid of your television said she won't let you. I know, I've already been there. A man came down the aisle weeping the other day, and he said, Brother Olaf, I, I got rid of the television set, but not for long. My wife and children came to me and said to me, listen, it's either the television set or we're leaving. We're not going to be with you any longer. We're gonna, you're going to either go get that television set and bring it back in our home. And so the little Casper Milk Toast said, all right, I'll go get it. He said, I got her back now. I got it back. Folks, we're living in the day when Everything rules the home except the husband and the Lord. And I'm not blaming the women. Listen, 
I believe that nine out of ten women would be glad to be ruled by a godly husband if the husband would be godly. I'm finding, and I hate to say it, but it's the truth, more spiritual women than there are men in this generation. Fellas, why don't we go home tonight and say, by the grace of God, I'm going to get off of the mule of sin, and we're going to kill him and get rid of sin in our home, and we'll have revival, and our children will grow up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I believe when we stand before you, you can see these two things. I see somebody hanging on the cross. I see a thief hanging on each side of him. I walk up close enough to say, Sir, if you don't mind, tell me what you're doing hanging there. Did you kill somebody? No, he said, I'm trying to kill somebody. I said, have you been a bad man? No, sir. He said, I've loved everybody. I've been kind to everybody. I said, well, why are you getting killed? He said, because of your sin. I said, you mean you're dying for me and I'm the guilty one? You never... He said, that's right. I believe, dear friends, I could love him for that, don't you? I could love him for that. Oh, but let's take another little picture, will you? I just stepped inside the pearly gates, and nobody's over a breath away tonight. This old fence beginning to kind of weave, and you fellas hold the poles in case it wants to jump up and down. That's the way to do it. Just hold the poles, and it'll stand, and God will take care of his children. I'd rather be here than any place in Dallas. I'm in the right place, and I'm not afraid at all. And uh, if the uh, cyclone were to sweep through, you know, I can straddle it and go to glory on it. That's right. I'm not far from heaven tonight. I love him. But I'll tell you one thing. I don't believe I'd be worried about my TV if I was you, if I was fixing to go to heaven. I don't believe I'd be worried about giving up some of my little old silly trinkets and gadgets if you're fixing to go to heaven. Oh, may the Lord help us tonight. Open our hearts go to him. Just inside the gate. Just inside the gate when I see my mother and my daddy and my little sister, two of them, and when I meet the old saints that have gone on, I'll not be regretful at all and sorry that I live my life for the Lord Jesus down here. By your head, while we pray, sing it with me. Oh, how I love Jesus. Sing it. to every sinner to come to this altar to give his heart to Christ tonight. Be not right with God if you're a worldly Christian. Come and fall on your knees while we sing uh, that old song that says, uh, uh, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that's how this me. Let's stand together. Now let's keep quiet and prayerful. Sing out and trust God to save sinners tonight. How many worldly Christians? Come on now. Come on right now. Be not right with God. Come to him now.
wasn't going to come while I was afraid. That's the best time in the world to come. Get rid of your fear. Sing the second stanza. Come to Jesus tonight. Come on while we sing right now. point the tent is just about ready to fall down as the storm was raging and you'll hear the screams in just a moment as the tent began to fall that's all right just stand where you are hold those poles if you want to get out from under the tent just go ahead
He hath his way in the whirlwind and the storm, the clouds are the dust of his feet. Today, we've heard the final message, and we've also heard the screams of the people, 1,800 people, yet nobody was walked on, stepped on, or injured seriously. God visited that old gospel tent, though she was left laying flat, the ambulances came, the fire trucks came, and the television stations came, the newspaper reporters came, looking for a report of death or bloodshed and found none. Now I give you some closing remarks and conclusions that God has reminded me of. Number one, we cried out against sin and asked the people to give it up. Most of them refused. Some came. The baby tent where the nursery was was just a few feet away from the big tent. It was not touched by the storm. And the Lord said, as I prayed in that tent a few mornings after that with the preacher brethren that were so fine, the Lord said, it, it's not baby trouble. The trouble's not in the nursery. It's in the adult department. The mothers and dads are the ones that are rebels. Therefore, I saw no need to touch the baby tent. Another interesting impression the Lord gave me was this. As you listened to that uh, message a moment ago, you heard the people crying, Jesus. They were praying for protection. Listen, God reminded me that there was enough people that responded, that came to that altar to pray, that God made a note of the need and the danger. And because those people came to that altar, I believe others were spared from being killed and injured and mangled and broken up. And uh, even lightning struck and hit the ground between the baby tent and the big tent, burned a wire into it, yet nobody was burned. Nobody was electrocuted. God was there to protect his people. Yes, even the winds and the waves obey him. And then something else that the Lord gave me. And that was that the people, though rebellious and many times some unconcerned, they recognized the goodness of God. They knew that Jesus was there to protect his people. We preached on Saturday night on where are the miracles, and some of the people began to say, here they are. Here they are. Yes. I'm glad that the Lord still loves and cares and offers mercy before judgment ever comes.
Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the word and hearing the word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.